0: you guys it's time to get real I have been getting real my whole life and I think it's time you did the same I've always practiced vulnerability which I know sounds crazy but soon you'll understand it's really true vulnerability is a popular word these days but I made a commitment to myself as a young girl that I would be myself so that those around me would feel safe to do the same this mindset has led to deep and fulfilling friendships what i've started to notice is that what's really normal for me is actually super hard for some people but i want to help you to step out and gain the confidence to step up and be unapologetically yourself when we're in proximity with people we hear their real unfiltered stories and we see them through different eyes and we can only be changed through this so here's what you need to know this podcast is about real people I'm not filtering them. These are their real stories and real possibility comes from their stories. My hope is that when you see others get real, it'll give you the permission to show up as who you were created to be. This podcast is centered around friendship and better understanding. I promise you will learn, obviously laugh and grow if you click subscribe. Today I have Rhiannon Jasek on the podcast. Rhiannon is an exercise physiologist, wife, and mom to two sweet labradoodles. But mostly, she's one of those great people who lights up a room with her joy. Sadly, three years ago, Rhiannon lost her favorite person, her dear sister, Sarah, at a very young age. Today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to go through grief and still seek joy. This episode will help you understand how to love and care for others who are grieving, as well as help you navigate your own grief. I hope you're as touched as I am by this episode. Please share it with someone you think needs this message. Okay, lady. So, welcome to the More Jody podcast. I am so excited to have my friend of what, like, probably 25 years or something on here? Is that how, is that how old we are? Yeah, I don't like to think about it. Did we meet in grade seven
1: yes okay so that's a long Didn't time in grade seven
0: that's math we can't do that's, even with our we, combined. And
1: math, math we shouldn't do really
0: <laughs> no it's definitely math we shouldn't do so i'm so excited for you to encourage us on such a strange topic grief not a strange topic but just strange for people to expect encouragement from that but there is no bigger ray of sunshine than you and it's interesting because <laughs> even like your husband, your animals, you, like everyone around you is sort of just glowing in your life and it's it's really obvious to me and really really beautiful. So the reason I wanted to chat with you is that I see such a special, fun, joyous person and then a few years ago your sister passed away and I just my heart just broke for you and your family and um Having known you for so long, just really wanted to, you know, understand more about your journey through that, what that's looked like. Because I think a lot of people need to hear stories like this, but they'd probably be, you'd be willing to talk about it, maybe, but they'd be too nervous to ask. So thankful and excited to have you on here because everything you navigate, you navigate with so much beauty, and you make everybody um, happy, everybody that's around you. So I just, what better person to talk about grief with than Rhiannon?
1: Well that is you said some very kind things so I'm happy that's the uh I'm happy that's what is getting put out into my world because I do try for that yeah. and unfortunately um, going through something traumatic with grief um, you get put into a whole different club than you were ever meaning to be in one you probably don't want to be in but um, sometimes I feel like if there's any good that has come out of my sister, Sarah passing away, I think it's that I'm now part of a club and can maybe help people who have, who are going through grief or trauma, help them navigate it a bit easier. Cause I know there were some people that, you know, played big, important parts of my life during that time as well. Mm -hmm. It was pretty wonderful.
0: Totally. And how they touched you. And, um, and I always say that the most beautiful people usually have the toughest stories. It just, it seems like that shows you what matters. It helps you focus on, um, you probably love other, you love the rest of your family better. You care for people who are grieving better. I think it just as much as it broke your heart, it also expands your heart as your heart starts to heal.
1: I would totally. imagine. Right. That's, a, that's perfect.
0: Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about Sarah? Tell us about your sister.
1: Um, So Sarah was, is (laughs) uh, six years younger than me. Uh, She was always just this really awesome person. (laughs) She was always really fun. um, And she could just, everyone that knew Sarah felt like she was their best friend. So she was one of those people Like it's actually kind of funny because the things you said about me and us knowing each other for a long time is how exactly how I would describe Sarah. She is, she was warm, hilarious. Uh, She was always ready for a road trip with a perfect playlist to go along with it. I love that. She was also down for things like random fitness challenges or getting together and watching bravo shows with diet coke hell of a good dip and ruffle chips and there was no bit of anything so i think when when me and my husband chris got together there was even a bit of you know sarah's my person right like you're my partner and you're my husband or my boyfriend at the time "but, but my person and i think it actually was fine with him because then he got a sister out of the equation yeah they were really close as well so that made my life easier, that my two favorite people loved each other a lot. Um, Sarah was uh, type one diabetic from the time she was seven and um, my dad's type one diabetic as well. And so it kind of, um, I guess it kind of shaped our family. We, we knew how to handle um, medical things, but one of the best things was that when Sarah was, I forget how old she was, maybe 12 or 13, 12 maybe. She got to go to Easter Seals Camp Horizon, um, which had Camp Jean Nelson, which was the type one diabetic camp um, at the time. And it, she got sponsored to go by her endocrinologist. And it meant she got to go spend a week down at camp, down in Kananaskis, um, surrounded by all kids of you know ages 10 to 18, that were also had type one diabetes. And it was just one of those weeks I remember like her coming back and just being so pumped because she got Aww. go hiking, she got yeah. to go whitewater rafting. And she was just one of all the kids were the same rather than right. with type one diabetes. And she went back year after year becoming a like a counselor in training um, and then a junior counselor. And I think that being at that kind of pivotal point of teenage girl, you know, hormones are changing, life is changing, but being able to go and be surrounded by people who are the same as her, I think really gave her the confidence of like, I'm not going to let this disease define me. It's part of who I am, but uh, I, I can do anything. So. Right. So camp then became this special place, and when I graduated university, uh, I went to work there as a person in charge of climbing and uh, all the high ropes courses, and Sarah was a counselor then in grade, almost going into grade 12. So we got a, a summer together, and six years is a big age gap when you're in university versus junior high and high school, that right. kind of so I got to spend a summer with her in her favorite place, but we got to do it together. And I think that really, we, sh- we shared a room, we would dress up in costumes together. So we were paper bag princesses together yeah. or whatever. And just having my sister there let me... Um, come out of my shell a little bit and be like the most hilarious version of myself because she was always there. So if I was like, hey, Sarah, we're playing this game and I really need you to hide in the, in the dryer for like two hours, like the industrial size dryer, please fold yourself into a ball and hide inside. You go, okay, if that's what you need me to do. And it just really uh, solidified how close we were and that just after that we were pretty inseparable yeah that's pretty cool because
0: so then i don't i don't i don't think i've ever known anybody growing up as a kid like i know people with type 2 but not type 1 so my kind of little bit of understanding you didn't get she didn't get to have sleepovers probably much right because stuff can happen in the night is that kind of
1: part of it yeah it's interesting though because my dad is also type 1 diabetic so it was Something my family knew how to handle and probably identified way earlier because he had my dad had gone through it as well but there was definitely You know the learning. I remember her because she was seven when she was diagnosed I remember her doing a writing a little book in probably whatever that was grade two um, and Coloring it in about like this is what insulin is and this is what it means for me And it actually got like laminated and and published into our elementary school library yeah because i think she was probably one of the first kids that had really had it in in our elementary school so yeah there was definitely like not a ton of sleepovers especially in the beginning years Mm -hmm. a lot of trying to understand what if she was allowed cupcakes with or without icing or things like that especially when going to friends houses and stuff so
0: yeah did it did it hold her back much because she obviously was like super audacious and vivacious and all those words
1: right um i don't i don't really think it did especially as she got older and i and i fully believe camp helped with that but um i don't think it held her back and sometimes to our family's chagrin of why <laughs> Like, Sarah, are you taking care of yourself? And and she always was, but she just didn't talk about it. It was just like, of course I am. Leave me alone. And it was the one thing she used to get so frustrated with me because I would be the protective older sister. Oh, did you, did you take your insulin? Did you have a snack? She's like, I'm fine. Like, I distinctly remember a few sleepovers we'd have where um, I she would wake up and I'd just be staring at her face sure she was fine. And she's like, Oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And of course she'd be fine. It's just, you know, I was a protective older sister and yeah. it's fine.
0: You got to look out for each other. Right. That's super funny. Yeah. That's super funny. Yeah. I had a lady I taught boot camp to, and she was type one diabetic. And the time she told me, I was like, what? Oh my gosh. Do, do you have orange juice on you? Like I've watched steel magnolias. Like I'm nervous now. I want to make sure I'm like ready with orange juice or whatever you need. And Right. So yeah, those, especially those who don't understand it. And then people who love, you know, you love her. So you want to take care of her, but she, for her, it's like brushing her teeth. Like she knows how to take care of herself. Right. So yeah. yeah, though that's super interesting. So with the five stages of grief being denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, did you journey through all
1: five of those stages or do you like, does that work? I don't know if I journeyed through all of them. So she passed away fairly suddenly no very suddenly um she just from her wait-
0: diabetes
1: or nope it wasn't it ended up not being from her diabetes so all the anxiety i had over the years uh, was misplaced um they still don't know uh what happened i think her heart just had an irregularity and she didn't wake up so um think the denial it was hard to deny it because it happened so fast, and it was very obvious, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, oh maybe she's away on vacation, because my family saw her, and we, like, we, we were there for all the parts of it, um, definitely anger, but in this just sad way, like, so, it's, it's funny because obviously accept it. I, it's weird because I always thought that the stages of grief would be like, okay, I'm here. And then I'm moving on to this. Wait, I'm done this one. Now I'm going to go to the next one. Yeah. So yeah. But, but it was like this mix of just one day you're like, okay, like I accept that this happened. Like the whole two weeks after it happened were a blur of everything but you know you'd be f- fine and then all of a sudden you'd be crying and sad and then you'd be like why did this have to happen but right. it uh it felt very internal it did not feel like a now i'm going to lash out at you and i could imagine if someone was dealing with a more prolonged right. gr- like where someone was sick and getting more sick as time went on, maybe you'd travel through that a bit because you'd have time for denial or hope for, oh, a cure for something. But with this, it was pretty like, and now it's over.
0: And so that makes sense. I never thought of it that way, but you're right. Cause you'd enter, you'd enter those stages. Like, are they going to be okay? or is it gonna take them, whatever at the beginning, and you're like, this can't happen. But for you, it's yeah. like she was gone. Like
1: yeah. woke up, it was up just one like morning, trauma, was gone. right? Yeah. It was trauma yeah. right away. And I remember just being like I I I don't even know the last time I'd gone more than like, unless I was out hiking in the backcountry, more than a day without talking to her. And I remember just being like, huh. I don't get to talk to her today. Like, I don't get to tell her the stupid things my husband doesn't care about. Again, like, yeah, shows or <laughs> you know, like, oh, did you hear this celebrity and this celebrity are dating? Like, no one cares, but me and Sarah cared, or yeah. we'd like, that kind of thing. So, um, I remember that being just really sad. That, and and seeing the outpouring of love. It's obviously not something. You know, they always say like your wedding day and your funeral are the times that you get pe- get to know people's most, like that people talk nicely about you and all show up and all of that stuff. And I feel like I felt really sad that all of these people loved her so much and she didn't get to be there anymore. Yeah. You know, it was more sad for her not being part of things anymore, more so than, I guess that's part of grief, but Right.
0: But I think too, like such I think one of the deepest losses for you is that day to day friendship. Because doing yeah. life with someone, like when you talk about calling her about all the dumb little things, like that's my favorite thing yeah. to talk about with my sister or my girlfriends. It's just the yeah. dumb crap that your husband doesn't want to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. And totally. and, and like, having that person oh, to go through life with.
1: Yeah. Like she was that for a lot of people, which is was probably exhausting and fulfilling, and all of that stuff, but um it yeah it was it was sad to like i I had people say, "Oh well, at least you got x number of years of of you know at least you were close for her whole life. I know people who aren't close with their siblings at all ever and I'm like. At the time, I know people are just trying to comfort you, but I remember being like, I don't care. I don't care that you Shut and up. Yeah. are close. I, my sister was the best and I want her to be there. Yeah, And like, people just try to help you get through it. And like you said, kind of at the beginning, like it's tricky <laughs> how to do it. And it makes you, it. it made me very aware of words and how an offhand comment can be, I don't know, devastating. Like leveling
0: almost, like yeah. just level you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like you could have a, you could be having a good day, and then I know when we first talked, you talked about just the the where the trauma would hit you, and it would just be yeah. in your car, and your husband was like, um, yeah. You want, "Yeah, you want me to pull yeah. over? You want me to drive?" Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. So I used to when I went back to work, um, I I had probably five weeks off in the summer she passed away I went back to work and I work with people so I work with patients and so I had to and I'm helping them with their health and everything so I would you know swallow everything down and I would help my patients and I would be bubbly and happy and then I would get my car at the end of the day and drive home and it was only a 10 minute drive but I would it was like clockwork I'd shut my door And I would be bawling and it was like my body just knew how to survive and then let it out and I remember and I didn't really think anything of it like because I could see that it was cleansing and cathartic and helpful. I learned some cool things about tears. Who knows I read it on the internet but it felt (laughs) helpful. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but I remember the first time I drove with my husband and he, and I started crying like, cause I would just cry out of nowhere. Like a random su- like a one direction song would come on and all of a sudden I'd be crying. And he, he'd just like, look at me and he'd be like, are you okay? I'm like Hoo-hoo. he's yeah. like you want me to drive as I'm trying to like merge onto a highway with tears in my eyes. I'm like, no, I'm really good at this now. <laughs> and he's like I can just see in his head like oh dear god yeah but he he can't deny that I'm a good driver while crying no. yeah <laughs> you're not even distracted you're like no. it's, just a, it's just a little cloudy yeah um, it's it's like I just need windshield
0: wipers for my eyeballs and that'd be fine yeah but interesting that that's kind of um your safe place years ago when I started making videos I could only make them in my car and I don't know why <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why that is, but I just felt like, it felt like a comfortable place to yeah. do something. And yeah, that's, you're alone, it right? Felt,
1: it felt like a safe bubble. But meanwhile, like, as I'm stopped at a red light, <laughs> if I have any awareness, the people beside me were probably like, what is happening? <laughs> like, just, oh, oh, like crying, <laughs> whatever. I love that. No. And it's so important. Like,
0: did you find that any of those stages you stayed in one longer? Uh.
1: I would probably say sadness like it was I guess sadness just of her not being there anymore or sadness for my for her friends or for my parents because one of the things that I've noticed about grief is although I like to think I can help people with it everybody's grief is so different depending on the relationship or depending obviously on themselves but like my mom and dad losing a child. I don't think like that's never something anyone like I'm not a parent, but I can't imagine how hard it was for them because who thinks they won't like that. They'll outlive their child. Yeah, That's different than the relationship I had with my sister who is like my person. And then someone who loses a grandma, you know, there's grief but it's maybe a bit more expected because of age so it's just interesting how there's this title for like trauma and grief but it's different for everybody
0: yeah like so many different facets and everybody experiences it different and
1: yeah and like i can imagine like i went to a counselor not probably a year and a bit after my sister passed away and I remember going to her, and she kind of does the, like, how are things going? Like, kind of almost like the, the, the stages of grief. Like, I'm sure there's a bit of that check-in. Like, oh, are you, how are things going with you and your partner? Like, are you and Chris okay? Things like that. And I fully, like, me and Chris, like, I am lucky. Chris is a good man, and he took care of me and my family. Like, I couldn't even... Like I would, you'd never even think that that's something your partner would have to do. Like they'd, he helped, he was one of the first people to see her, to find her at her apartment. He helped clean her apartment and everything. And he just was this rock for my family. And um, I feel, I don't know, I just, I feel pretty lucky that I had what I had. Um, I think that would be one of the beautiful things that comes out of it is
0: seeing that character that you, you know, it's there all along in him, but yeah, that you get to see that and that he gets to love you and deepen the love in your relationship because you go through that together and he showed up in such a powerful way.
1: Yeah. And so I feel like that's like, I remember talking to my counselor and her kind of asking these questions and, and her response was kind of just like, you know what, Rhiannon, I'm not going to make you less sad. Like if you're able right. to, if your relationships are okay, if you're going to work, uh, if you're, you know, like doing all of these, you're still participating in things you enjoy, I'm not going to make you less sad. And I would say I'm still sad. It's just a little bit different, but I, I agree. Like, I think um, Chris and I had been married for three years. We'd been together for a long time, but we'd been married for three years at the time. And even today, three years later, if, you know, if we're ever grumpy with each other, or not really fighting, but you know, like, mm-hmm. like I, I still know he was a really good man. Like he is a good person who like that trumps everything, right? Like yeah. he doesn't ever, you know, put his laundry in the laundry basket, like, really? (laughs) Like, big picture, and it's hard to find that balance of, like, okay, it might not be a big picture sister dying thing, but it's still annoying, (laughs) and, like, but it's, it's, it's nice to see these people you really care about just step up in this way, again, that you don't see, unless you go through something pretty horrible, Mm -hmm. like, illness or loss, or anything, like, we often don't accept help or mm, not that we don't need help I think we always need help we often don't accept help um unless unless we can't do it ourselves yeah that's interesting because that's such a
0: that's such a lifeline and I think when there's real grief any sort of um I don't want to say shame, but you know, if it's like, I had a, uh, I have a friend who, you know, but she had a baby and when she had her baby, I was like over there doing her laundry. And there's yeah. just like, you've got maternity panties, like things are not yeah. good down there. And, like, <laughs> and I'm just like, when that person is with you, right? Like they're in there, yeah. they're going to do your laundry. And when you hit a point with, when you're struggling in life, it's, it's a good place where you're like, you know what? those are literally, that's literally my dirty underwear and they just love me enough that it doesn't matter. And they're totally. going to wash it and put it back and dry it. And if there are rips, like they're just going to fold it anyway, you know, yeah. like, and there's yeah. something so special about getting to that place where you can accept that love. Cause it's a yeah. beautiful love. If you can get over yourself.
1: Well, to it, it. and that's totally that exactly. Like I, I hate that I had to go through it and I hate that my family had to go through it, but like how many times do you just say, "Oh, I'm fine. I don't need anything." Like every day, people say they're fine when they're really not. At least, you know, some parts of the year. And and it it's really, I don't know. It's really tricky. And it was it's lovely to see how people like I keep. I remember even in the thick of things at the very beginning of being just blown away by the love of people and the the help. And it's your tendency to say no no we're fine we don't need anything but then when people would stop by with like a full dinner you're like oh that is what I needed or a friend that comes over to visit and like you sit on the couch and after a few minutes she she gets up and starts doing your dishes or sweeping your kitchen floor and you're like I never would have asked for that but that is exactly what I needed yeah It just makes other people also feel needed and helpful because it's so helpless when someone, when you lose someone, Mm -hmm. whether or to see your friend hurting. And so, so to be able to help and have help accepted just gives you a little, like, you know, gives the friend a chance to show like, look, I'm here for you. Yeah. You know, I'm doing these things and I don't know. Cause that's them. That's them
0: loving you. yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and they, in some ways, they, especially when they're close to you and they're watching you go through that, like yeah. they need to love you as part of their process.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. In that time. Yeah. And so I think it's my dad yesterday was putting away my frying pan and I like, I put it under the stove and I never clean under there. And then oh, he's like, does. he's like, where do you, where do you put this? I was like, uh, just leave it on the counter. He's like, no, Jodes, I'll put it away. I'm like, well, if you don't judge me, like it's in the bottom drawer, but it's really dirty. Yeah. And this morning I'm like, thanks for not judging me about my dirty drawer. He's like, that's okay. Yeah. Right. But you want people that can see your dirty drawer.
1: Yeah. You want people to see all your drawers, all your drawers, clean your dirty drawers. Well, and, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I remember one of the first, I was back home and one of the first things I did, it was really hot. Like it was crazy hot. first things i had done on my own like to go out of the house after sarah passed away was to go to canadian tire and buy myself a kiddie pool because it was so hot i'm like i need some relief from this heat and so i went like a zombie to canadian tire i bought this kiddie pool and one of my best friends showed up with slurpees like she just showed up with slurpees and she goes what you doing and i'm like i'm trying to fill up this kiddie pool and she's like okay and starts like helping me haul out the hose and do it and there was no like do you really need a kiddie pool at this time it was like yep we're getting this set up and we will sit in it with our like we'll like dangle our legs in or we'll sit in it in our clothes if we need to but there was no question and that was the best and it was like i'm here to help you i brought you a slurpee and I'm helping you and then I'm leaving because my capacity for like my tendency to want to make other people feel welcome or entertained was at like a point zero zero. And um, so the people that knew to just show up, help for a little bit or visit for a little bit and leave, (laughs) it was really helpful. So it's like show up, be, be available yeah. But
0: then not for long. Yeah. And just be like, okay, you know, I'm going to leave now and then take your lead on it probably. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes people don't want to leave you alone because then, but the sadness, like you said, is always there. So it doesn't yeah. matter if you're
1: alone or if you're with them. Well, and I, I think there was this feeling of a lot of people not, and it's obviously hindsight is 2020 20 and reflecting back, but I remember there being people that would never bring her up at all. And even to this day, don't really bring her up or don't ask, you know, how I'm doing. And I remember talking about it with someone and them saying, well, I don't want to make it worse. And I can appreciate that, but I'm like, it's already the worst. Like the phone call that she had passed away was already the worst thing that will ever happen. How, how are you going to make it worse by asking me how I'm doing? (laughs) Like, the, You're like so, don't flatter yourself you don't yeah. have that kind of power. Yeah. I know it sounds so bad and again I think it just comes it's from true. Not knowing how to deal with grief and not knowing like yeah you don't you don't want to make it worse but then if you don't bring it up it doesn't go away. It also then spurred the joke of like when we'd say, cause we'd often say like, whether it's me and Chris or me and friends would say, Oh, this is the worst. And then we'd look at each other like, yes, this is the worst. The fact that my um, ice cream has melted fast is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. And it was this way to kind of like bring light to a crappy right. time, but also just that reminder of like, okay, what? And I, and I still do that when I'm like, oh, this thing at work, this patient was the worst. And I'm like, were they the worst? I'm like, let's talk about the worst.
0: And what it scale like, are we looking at here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like when I say I love steak and I love chips. And my husband's like, but you love me. I'm like, I don't know, it's a close race. I, I know love- some days I love steak more than you. <laughs> All of those things. Would you say you could describe, give each year a word?
1: Ooh. Ooh, good one. Uh, first year was numb. Oh, you're, I feel like you're so hard on yourself, or at least my family is very like tough, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like keep going because the Prince family is happy and we didn't want to be the sad ones. Like we didn't and I remember talking about that with my family and being like we don't want to be the sad ones that everyone now is like oh the princes are the sad family and that it's still hard to think about but I remember how hard I was on myself that I like I can't believe that six months out I did x y or z or you know so I think numb is that way to describe it like you're kind of and it's weird to say numb because we were feeling all of the feelings but just like numb to how it was. You're almost like,
0: like a zombie. Like I, I yeah. picture it like a zombie state. Totally like you not. have to get up and go to work, so you get up, you yeah. go to work, you cry all the way there, you
1: walk inside, you
0: cry all the way yeah. home.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you like hide in your couch and watch Netflix, like so numb. Uh the second year I don't know. It felt I guess it fe- it seems like more like feelings than a word. The, the week before Sarah passed away, I had had a book from the library, an ebook, Cheryl um, Sandberg's Option B, before and then she passed away a week later. And the whole premise of the book is about when your Option A isn't available anymore, so her husband passed away, what's your Option B? And I remember one of her comments was permanence. So nothing is permanent. And so maybe your two felt a little bit more like like that feeling of whether it's numbness or sadness, like it had morphed over the, it, from day one, it started morphing. And I remember just that, that word, permanence, going in my head of, I, it's not permanent because yesterday I didn't laugh at all, but today I laughed once. Or so that shows me that I'm not gonna be the exact same the whole time. And so that was helpful in reminding me that you can still move forward a little bit. Yeah. And then I think year three, grateful. Because I, I one of my big fears was that people would forget about Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, that, you know, X number of years out, like they wouldn't even remember who she was. And so I think I'm grateful that three years out, um, I've become good friends with a bunch of her friends. And it's awesome because I knew, like, I knew, I knew I was awesome and a good friend to her. (laughs) But really nice becoming good friends with her friends and knowing that she was just surrounded by these like amazing people and they continue to be amazing And they continue to talk about her and bring her up and family members, cousins and everything do. And so I think I'm grateful that that legacy is continuing three years out and that it isn't just like, oh, she passed away and now she's gone because she was too much of a light to just snuff out and be gone. And so I think that that's my, that's this year. Like we, even a few weeks ago, we had a socially distanced, backyard fire with a bunch of her friends and it was just like I remember looking around and just being like man I am lucky these people are my people now and that we can talk about you know silly like I'm still learning stories about her from them that I didn't know because I was her sister I wasn't her like university friend or her high school and so I'm still learning new things about her even though she's been gone for three years and that's obviously really comforting totally totally
0: and I think I know that you do very special things and creative things I know that I heard you bought shots for all the girls at a bachelor part bachelorette party oh, yeah. something something she would have done
1: yeah I figure uh one of her best friends that had lived with my family in Kelowna for a while was getting married and I messaged one of uh Jody and I like our mutual friend and I said hey I'm gonna eat transfer you some money I need you to buy tequila because Sarah would buy people tequila shots. And so I sent money down and they all had a shot in her honor. I still feel like maybe Sarah didn't love tequila, but now she's <laughs> up somewhere watching us be like, ha, all these people are doing tequila shots. And I hated it too, but you guys are suckers. <laughs> oh, I we love that. Like family events. We'll have I like do? a shot. Oh yeah, we'll have a shot for Sarah at Christmas on the anniversary or on her birthday. <laughs> We're just like, I don't, I don't love to but now I have to do it at major, because <laughs> it's tied to Sarah. Oh, I
0: love that. No, I think that's awesome. I think about the ways now that you still feel her.
1: I spoke at her memorial and I, I likened her to a, a superhero, like kind of like a superhero cape and that she was my cape that let me be the funniest version, the like outgoing version, because I knew she was there being like, Yeah, yeah, you can do it. You're <laughs> hilarious. I'm like, I am hilarious. Like, probably some of it was for her own amusement. Yeah. But anyway, she made me just feel so like, I don't know. So like accepted? And, yeah, accepted? Yeah, accepted. Just, you know, yes, you're going to wear a costume in front of all of these people. I think at her memorial, I wore a. Um, a beaver hat from a, a curling bonspiel weekend we had gone to the year before and I got up in front of the 500 people that were there and with a beaver hat on and <laughs> uh, the number of people that came to me and said that was perfect maybe yeah. they're nice but they also knew like Sarah loved costumes so like how it would have, it would have been a disservice I I didn't wear a costume. Like, it started with her love of dance. It's, lucky I didn't wear, like, one of her sparkly unitards. Like, yeah. a beaver was, was, like, a better option than some of the alternatives. No, I love that. I love that. But, like, that. it's hard when someone that's so awesome is gone. Like, you do want to, I don't know, kind of keep their legacy going. However, that is so whether that's in her strong volunteerism so we've still volunteered for um organizations that she used to volunteer for or whether it's you know buying shots for people or whether it's you know just that like fun adventure Mm -hmm. costume craziness even if you're not feeling it like it would it would do a disservice to her to just be a sad panda all the time. And I'm not going to lie. I've definitely been a sad panda over the past three years and have, yeah, gone to counseling and gotten medication and things like that. But it sounds cliche to say she wouldn't want you to be sad. Like I'm sure she probably wants us to be a little sad. She wouldn't be, (laughs) she wouldn't like it would be pretty crappy if you weren't sad at all. did you even care
0: about me I want people to be a little bit sad like I want them to go back to living their life but like yeah talk about me and don't forget me yeah yeah do you love when people bring her up
1: yes yeah it's funny because you can probably tell I was crying for me to cry over sadness in front of people isn't overly my thing. And I have learned to be okay while like crying, in, whether it's in public or around people. And sometimes that makes people uncomfortable, but I kind of don't care because it's who I am now. But I remember having a friend who lost a sibling and her saying to me, when you feel ready, I'd love to talk to you more about your sister and what you love the most about her. And, and I remember thinking, oh, that feels like I'm not ready right now, but just those words of like, yeah, I understand what you're going through and I still want to keep her, keep her close. Totally. uh, Is, is
0: pretty awesome. I think that's interesting too, that you going through this have learned to express your own vulnerability in a new yeah. way. Yeah. It's not just sadness because you're embarrassed. It's sadness because you're sad, right? Yeah. Like, and,
1: and it's okay to admit that and, and be sad. And, you know, I've had, I've had patients that have had loss and I've cried with them. Mm-hmm. And In some ways I'm like, mm, is this professional? But I'm like, I literally can't stop myself. I don't care. I'm feeling with, with them and that's okay. And oh yeah. I have a quote. I always have
0: a quote. Quotes are my favorite. Yes. Um, and it's from C.S. Lewis's book, The Problem of Pain. And it says, I have learned that while those who speak about one's miseries usually hurt, those who keep silent hurt more. Yeah. And I love that. I right, because because it's it's so true. I think it's I don't like to feel feelings. I'm very logical, and whenever something's uncomfortable, I like to reframe it. So I'm like the queen of silver linings. Like I will find the good yeah. in anything, and I can I can sit and I can be sad. I just don't want to stay there for very long. But now I'm trying to. I'll sometimes articulate like Kate. Hey, I feel like a robot. I'm like you're sad right now. I think you need to cry, and then I'll just be yeah. like. And if I start if I start to, you know, cry, I'm just like, let her go. Like, oh yeah, let her go, ugly cry. And there is like, I don't know what you were gonna say about the science of tears, but oh yeah, tell me what about yeah, that because so, yeah, so fake I news remember, or real news, I want to hear it.
1: I know, whatever. So I I remember reading that there's different kinds of tears, and like one is a tear when you have something caught in your eye and it like it helps you flush your eye out. And so it's chemical makeup is one thing that helps just kind of like flush it out. Your eye feels better once whatever's stuck in a piece of dust or sand or whatever, but you don't like overall feel better, but there's something really cathartic about a good cry. This article said that there was that different kind of tear because the tears that you release have, when you're sad or when you're just crying from emotion are different chemical makeup than tears that are just like a functional, get something out of your eye or even the tears that just exist to keep your eyes moisturized. Mm. And, and I remember thinking like, yeah, it's okay to cry for sadness or whatever over Sarah, because it's cathartic and it is helping the chemical makeup is soothing me and helping me like, why would I keep that on the inside? So whether that's true or not, But I remember, again, that giving me some comfort of like these tears are, are helping me. Yeah. So it's okay to let them out.
0: I feel like I need an ad now for like visine. Like if you're dead inside and you can't cry, here's what you can do to (laughs) moisten your eyes. But no, I think, I think that's, that's so interesting. I think it's so true. I think even like our bodies are magnificent because I feel like that's the next thing your body needs after a big cry is that like. Just close your eyes because you always yeah. feel, a li- not always, but you feel often better after a little yeah. sleep, right? Yeah. Totally. Not after the death of your sister. That's like yeah. you're going to wake up for a long time with that hollow totally. pit in your body. Yeah.
1: Can I give an example of grief? I had a couple friends, so to circle back working at camp, there was another set of sisters. So there's the Prince sisters and the Taylor sisters, and we were all really close, and they actually had a sister named Sarah that passed away three years before my sister, Sarah. And after Sarah passed away, we were on Vancouver Island for a wedding and a vacation away. And we, I got to meet up with Leah and Carla and like, and I remember them describing grief and trauma, I guess, as like waves, like at the beginning waves crash over you all of the time. Like you were just getting beaten up by the waves. You don't know which way is up. And you're just like in this grief, like undertow of craziness. As time passes, the waves start to come at you a little bit slower. So you might be able to get up for a fresh breath of air before the next wave hits and then you're under again. And then As time goes on, like as waves do, there's always waves. Just like there's always the moon. There's always going to be waves. But maybe those waves come in slower sets Mm -hmm. after a while. And there will always be a rogue wave that just like knocks you off your feet and you did not see it coming. Or maybe you saw it coming because it was an anniversary or something. You're going to be able to predict the waves a little bit more besides the robe, one that knocks you over, takes your sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> and, your, and your
0: bikini top. Yeah, totally. Because I think something that's so important is loving people well when they're going through anything. Can you tell um, my listeners what forms of support meant the most to you and what advice you might give about supporting someone going through a, a loss? Yeah.
1: yeah, that's a good question. Like food is helpful. Oh, always. (laughs) Always. However, it's hard because you people, sometimes people would bring food, but you had like no more freezer space and probably shouldn't eat pasta for the eighth day in a row. So I remember, well, you, people tell me I shouldn't, Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I remember someone uh, got me a skip the dishes gift card. So something where I can, on a night where I'm like, I forgot to take something out of the freezer I don't have it in me. We could right. order what we wanted. So I remember that was super helpful. And it's now something that I do for other people because it doesn't take up freezer space, but it gives people permission not to cook, have someone cook for them. Um, another big one that we kind of mentioned earlier was don't, don't stay forever. Like if you're going to come visit, the visits are fantastic, 100%. But just come for a short little visit like show your love whether you bring anything or not uh, but just show up and then leave because it's emotionally taxing to have people especially if you're a person that's used to hosting and and being a good host it's hard to just sit and like chat when you're like I really just want to be curled up watching like the bachelor reruns I I don't have the capacity to be like oh and tell me about work and your children, yeah. but you feel like you need to do that. So the short visits are helpful. People would um, say, oh, I'm here for you if you ever need me. I'm here, and and it was it's genuine 100%, but in my worst times of even now, like in my worst times of grief for now, I would never call someone and be like, hey, I'm having a rough day. Can you come do my laundry or <laughs> vacuum my house? Yeah. Because although that's yeah. what I needed, I'm not going to like, I and I fully know that if I called certain friends and said, "Hey, can you come over and vacuum?" they would say, "Sure," but like I would never do that. I'd be mortified. Yeah. <laughs> that, so if you're if you want to do something, do it. Like and just show up and do it. Almost. Just show up. Like yeah, you know if the, I don't know, like if our front lawn looked like looked horrible come over and mow it. Don't ask us if we can mow it because we'll probably say, no, don't worry, it's fine. We're like weeding the garden, but if you do it, we're, we're going to be super grateful. Yeah, so I and, totally and I think, agree with that. Yeah, because I think people people want to feel like they're trying to do something with their grief, whether it's because of the person or because of you, the grief they have for you and the feelings they have. And it, it feels good to help someone because it's why things like GoFundMes often do well is because it's something tangible that you can do that's like, look at I'm helping. So yeah. I'm guessing nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm guessing even when you were a new mom yourself, you, it, it's hard outside of your really tight, tight group of people. It's hard to ask for help.
0: Yeah. And I think even um like you said that about the cleaning. So someone could come over, even my mom or my mother in law, and be like, Do you want me to clean that? And I'm like, No, it's okay, just leave it. Yeah. But like I, that's where it's like, just do it. Don't ask me. Yeah. Just yeah. find a broom and do it. Like always assume yeah. that I'd rather have a clean floor than a dirty one.
1: <laughs> yeah. And always assume I do not like like vacuuming or yeah. sleeping. Yeah. you know and- me? Do you remember what my junior high bedroom looked like? I clearly yeah not value
0: so <laughs> high my priority list yeah but I do I think I think it's because you know it's hard enough to admit that you need someone else to do it then it's hard enough when you know that they could just be sitting relaxing with you but like they just have to know that when they leave and they've helped you in that way you're totally blessed by it Right. And yeah. yeah. And it is, it's so hard for all of us. And it's like, why we should all go back to living like Hutterites in communes. I said that to somebody yesterday. I'm like, I could do that. I think I could really do that and love it.
1: Oh, right it is my but, dream.
0: I know where we all just like help each other and we live like yeah. a village and yeah, like, no, yeah. I love those sorts of things. So what would be an unexpected
1: obstacle that you wouldn't have thought you would face along the way? I think one of the things that has been an obstacle is for me, And we talked a little bit about mental health when we were talking before, but like I work in healthcare, so there's a lot of stuff I feel like I know. And it was really hard for me to admit that I needed more support. And again, it's funny because if if I'm a big soapbox advocate for mental health and taking medication when you need it and admitting that things are hard, But then when it was my own, like my own mental health, I had a really hard time because I'm, you know, I've always been hopefully a good friend to most people and I'm positive. Again, the princes are known as being like, I think like happy people and all of that stuff. And so being able to admit that I needed, I needed some more support from a medication perspective, uh, It was, it was hard to finally go, no, I think I'm like, I'm, I'm anxious. Like I was anxious and I didn't realize it, but I was anxious of people talking about Sarah, but then I was also anxious about people never talking about Sarah. And I couldn't quite, I couldn't figure it out. Like I couldn't just like rationalize my way through it or calm myself down. And in my head, I'm like, well, I know I should be doing meditation. I should be exercising. I should be doing all of these things, but I just couldn't. And so, starting a medication to help me control some of that, like, like, racing thoughts in my brain allowed me to, like, crawl up a little bit. And then starting some medications to help me with, you know, some depression. Like, the combo has, like, made a big difference. And you know, truthfully, like I started on antidepressants recently and I'm like, Oh, Oh, this is nice. Like, yeah. and, and it took three, you know, it took a year to try some meds for my anxiety. It took two more to think that maybe I could use a little boost. And so yeah. kind of an obstacle of being okay with like taking medications when I need right. it. And that things aren't, that I'm not the same, I'm, I'm older, I am sadder, <laughs> like, and that being okay, I don't have to go back to old Rhiannon, I can be a new Rhiannon that has different boundaries for friends, or different expectations for myself, like, m- more okay with saying, nope, like even this podcast, I had a couple times where we were supposed to record, and I'm like, Jody, I can't do it, and you were like, Yep, totally fine. I'm like, Oh, whereas old Rhiannon would have just pushed through and like worn herself completely out, but not wanting to give up on like a commitment. And now I'm like, yeah. no, I can say no, and Jody will still love me. Yeah, hundred percent. And I was
0: like, because this this is about you. And yeah. I, I only want someone to show up because it's a positive thing for them. What do you want the world to know about your
1: story? What do I want the world to know? I think I want pe- people to know that grief is okay. It's okay to feel it and show it and experience it whether and sit with it not just try to sweep it under the rug or, or that, like it's nice to be able to admit like one of my family is really good about admitting when we're having a rough day. And, and although it can be hard, it's nice to be honest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Grief looks different to everybody, but it's okay to bring things up of just ignoring it and hoping it goes away has not really (laughs) ended well anything right like that's proven to yeah rear its ugly head later yeah like it's gonna come back like that weird lump on your knee is probably (laughs) probably gonna get bigger if you don't go to the doctor and it's kind of the same with like with grief and I I think finding that balance of this grief is now a part of me um but it doesn't define me is a really important thing I love that because
0: you're never yeah. going to let her diminish. And I feel like no. she wouldn't let that happen. No. <laughs> she was um, a big enough personality. I have another quote by C.S. Lewis. This is a really good book, The Problem of Pain. But it says, mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but it is more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It is easier to say my tooth is aching than my heart is broken. Yep. But so important. Yep. Right? Totally um can you tell us really quickly before we get to my last two fun questions about the
1: sparkles oh the sparkles yeah so um back probably in the first year my my parents went to a medium because the whole crazy sequence of events that led to it um but they went and the medium and your parents aren't normally into that kind of thing right um, I would say my parents are quite spiritual, so they're pretty open to okay. whatever we grew up going to church and we but my dad is very spiritual and like under lots of understanding of different religions and different ways. Like my dad was always really open and so I guess they were like it's always been kind of a talk of our family as like ghosts, and that there's more out there than just us and we We fit into a giant tapestry rather than us being the only thing. And so they went to this medium and the medium said, oh, have you been noticing the sparkles? And for those of you, the difference between a psychic and a medium is the medium acts as a conduit from the like spiritual world rather than a psychic that reads the, I think that reads the future. So Sarah was there and my parents are like, yeah, we've been noticing sparkles too. And that was, that's Sarah, you know, kind of letting her present be presence be known. Even whether you believe it or not, there's something really comforting that like when you wake up and there's no reason for there to be sparkles on your cheek one morning when you wake up and get out of bed and look in the mirror and you have like a dusting of like five or six sparkles, like catch the light, whether that was her as a spirit or not, the fact that it's now a thing is really comforting. It's, it's so amazing. And like, we've had friends that, I had a friend that didn't know the story. My, my good friend's husband, he, his work bag was tucked way away, away from where like the kid's sparkles were, like it was tucked. Um, and he went down to get a tool and his, his work bag was covered in sparkles and he was like, what the, and he, like, we were all close with Sarah. So then, so when he came upstairs to tell Joanna, who is one of our closest friends, like there are sparkles everywhere. She's like, "Oh!" and it, so it's just, again, whether it's uh, I believe it's real, whether you believe it, it's real or not, it's really nice to see and feel those signs. And the number of people that have noticed sparkles since then it seems crazy that it, it's a thing like that. It's not a thing, I guess. Well, so it's comforting. It's comforting. I think,
0: so I'm like, not, I don't know. I kind of, I don't think it's not real. I don't like love spirits creep me out like that creeps me (laughs) out, but I definitely, I, I would see if that same thing was to happen to me, because when that happens to you, that's when you're like, no, this really happened. Right. Like, there yeah. are, and I don't see sparkles anywhere. So if I saw sparkles somewhere, that would be super weird. Yeah. And you know, not even thinking about spirits moving it or whatever, like I would look at it as God's way of being like, yeah. she's still yeah. here with you. Like, cause to exactly. me, yeah. And so to me, it kind of doesn't matter necessarily how you look at it. It just matters that she's, she's still here with you and yeah. you know, and, and then you and, notice it.
1: Yeah. You take time to notice it.
0: Totally. Cause I would spin it differently, but I would still look at it as like a gift from God. Like I would just yeah. be like, you know, she's still here and she's still, she's still with me. And that is, it's, it's the comfort that you need. Um, yeah. in those moments, it, it keeps her alive and in, you know, to some degree. And I think that's so special. Like, nice. I love that. That's a really nice way of putting it. I totally love that. And um, if, if if I ever die, like I'm going to show up with sparkles. Actually, I hate sparkles. I'm going to show up with something though, so that people are like, yeah. why are there chip crumbs everywhere? Like, why, <laughs> why is this yeah. so greasy?
1: Why I'm is there a there? red wine stain on my <laughs> white carpet? Oh, Rhiannon. Exactly. Rhiannon's yeah. here yeah exactly are there bits of cheese I know oh I just love
0: that I think that's just like yeah I would want to do I would want something like that I'd be like guys yeah. I'm up in heaven but I came down for a glass of wine and then I spilled a little bit on middle yeah. on right like no I yeah. just love that so what is one thing you would tell 16 year old Rhiannon because I'm working on a book for teen girls and so I would love one thing you would tell her
1: oh 16 16 year old Rhiannon uh it'll it sounds really cliche, but it all really works out. It works out how it's supposed to, and it doesn't mean the road isn't bumpy, and it doesn't mean your feelings aren't valid, and I know things are all consuming, but it works out, and you're going to find your people. I was lucky when I was 16 that I, I have friends that are still my friends now. I was I was really lucky to be surrounded by people like you, Jody, and other girlfriends that just built me up, but mm. um, hopefully you can find people that build you up and allow you to be your authentic self. Laugh so hard you pee a little. Yeah. And or a lot. You pee the, a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think being able to know that, like, other people's opinion of you doesn't matter as much as you think wow. it does, and what really matters is the people you're with. It, Imagine you lived, lived knowing that. How that I would change your
0: sixteen-year-old self? Yeah,
1: like a choose-your-own-adventure when you knew how it ended. That oh, would be amazing. It? I know. Like if you knew, like if I knew that I would end up being married to this fantastic man and had two really cute dogs and and got to work in a field I really love, and I could go back and just fully live in the moment, like. I know the time with my girlfriends and not worrying about boys and not worrying about what my body looked like (laughs) just got to uh live it like how awesome would that have been I'm noticing the more I like think
0: through it in my mind is that there was for young people who don't have their prefrontal cortex oh yeah somewhere in their brain is that the part that's not developed your brakes aren't developed yet right So I feel like sometimes if I'd had a lot of um, self-esteem over my physical body or like that I would have made different choices that probably wouldn't have been To my benefit. And a lot of times I think about how a lot of those insecurities as much as I'd love to go back. And I feel like without them, I'd be relentless because I feel like I'm a lot more relentless now and unstoppable. But at the same time, I think they protected me from certain things and certain people and situations that I'm like, you know what? It's not all lost, but I do, I do wish I could go. I just want to hug every 16 year old. I just want to squeeze her till she pops and just be like,
1: you're, you're not good enough. You're just right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I and I think being able to have, obviously, there's the whole thing about body image and and what you look like and all of that, and it's so frustrating because any of the stuff we even talked about tonight, none of it was about how we looked. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Felt and how we loved people and all of that and and just knowing that people can be seen for more than just the outsides. Mm-hmm. Well, and in the end, that's all that matters.
0: I no know. one cares what Sarah's hip measurements were. No. Right? They love her laugh or her yeah. smile. They care about how,
1: yeah, and how she made them feel. And I know I've used the word cliche a few times, but it's so cliche to say that, like, say things. But, you know, my husband loves me when I'm a messy crying ball on the couch as much as he loved me when I would like (laughs) put makeup on every time I saw him and shave my legs and not fart yeah he still loves me so I wish you could say that
0: yeah no I totally agree last quote the pain of yesterday is the strength of today And I just have to say, there's so much strength in you. And you are such a beautiful girl inside and out. And you always have been. Let's just drop all the cliches we can if we're going to keep using that word. But it's so true. And I think the most beautiful people have the toughest stories. And it sucks that that's the way it is. But it's because the grit that develops in you that is now gonna be used to make the world a better place, a more beautiful place, a more thoughtful place. It's added so much depth to a girl who already had a lot of depth. And I think that's just the pain of yesterday is the strength of today. Last question, what is saving your sanity right now?
1: Probably my two puppies. I have two Labradoodles, Gord Downey and Sherpa, and they are the best, and sometimes the worst, but mostly the best. Gord Downey sometimes eats my underwear, which I don't love. (laughs) That's a doodle thing. They love panties. I, I know it's weird, but they, like, I don't know. There's something to be, I don't have children, so this is the closest I'm coming to unconditional. Like, they love me every minute I get home. They act, and that in itself over the past, we got Sherpa after Sarah passed away, and just having that really helps, like, bring you up. So, yeah my doodles (laughs) doodles
0: no I love that and I love you and I'm just excited to share more of your story with the world because I think it's really beautiful and I hope that people can really learn you know from yeah how to take care of people I hope that people hear this and when someone passes away they're going to show up and they're going to sweep their floor and bring them a slurpee and put them in their kiddie pool because that matters it does
1: matter it matters a lot (laughs) It Totally matters. The kind words, they are nice. They feel it's, it's hard to hear nice things about yourself, but it is really lovely. And thank you for letting me share my story and feel really loved and accepted by you too. Oh, you so deserve it.
0: Well, that was so much fun. Thanks so much for being here. Please click subscribe, rate and review this podcast, share it with everyone you know, and I will be back here next week with more stories, more courage, more vulnerability, and just a little more Jody to brighten your day.